What's up, Wolfpack Nation? We're back again with another episode of Locked on Wolfpack. The basketball seasons for both men and women have come to a very quick end. And as sad as we are to see them go, we want to talk about the good times we had this year. Both teams going back to the tournament. We're going to break down some of our favorite year-end superlatives. Kenton, how's that sound to you for this episode? It's so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. No, but seriously, it sounds like a great episode to me. I didn't know you had that in you. Hey, man, I always got some boys to mend in me. I always got it. I always got it. Don't ever think it's not there. Don't ever think it's not there. <laughs> All right. Well, y'all stick around. We got a fun episode on Locked on Wolfpack. You are Locked on NC State. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Welcome, welcome in, everybody. This is going to be our year-end basketball superlative episode. A little bit of a different episode. It's not so much breaking down what happened in a game, but we want to make it fun. We want to talk about yeah. the good, a little bit of the bad, because we're mostly talking good. But we want to talk about things to take with us moving forward, things to remember from these 22-23 basketball teams. So we'll start with the men. We, you know, unfortunately, we just saw we, we bowed out to Creighton in the first round of the NCAA tournament this mm-hmm. past Friday. Making it to the tournament this year was a success. And I've seen a lot of people that have differing opinions on that. That's fine. But I think making it to the tournament this season is undoubtedly a success. I would like to know, for the people who that's not a success to, and I'm, I'm being very genuine right now, what would you have qualified as a success, number one? And number two, how many times have you seen a team go from 20 losses the prior year to what you consider to be success? I just those are two things that I, I would literally want you to want, want to know from you. And that's all I want to know. If you and actually you don't even have to do the second part. Just tell me what you consider a success. Put it in the comments. Put it in the comments. Go to our Twitter. Go to Grace's Twitter. Go to my Twitter. Go to Locked On Wolfpack's Twitter. Let us know what you consider success if this wasn't success. Proceed, Grace. Yeah. So getting started here, and we'll we'll talk probably all over this episode about Keats because there's been some rumors swirling about him. Talk about the season in general, people's opinions. We'll get Hold all. Wait, wait, wait. What rumors been swirling around Keats? What you know that I don't? Hold on. What's going on now? There were some rumors that he was potentially being suited for the Georgetown job. Um, that was just filled by Providence's head coach Ed Cooley. Oh uh, yeah. Do I yeah, think he's no, going to leave? No, I don't. Yeah, no, I I knew right away that that wasn't happening. That yeah, I I had heard about that earlier in the season. I was like, what? And then yeah. immediately reached out, put my ear to the ground, and they were like, no, that's not a thing. In so, in addition proceed. to Keats, I I do think Keats wants to be here, and so mm-hmm. I don't think that was a situation where he was shopping around. But also, I think the Georgetown job would be an upgrade for him. And I don't think that's something he's earned quite yet. I don't. I don't think he's he's put out enough uh, enough tape enough enough hasn't shown enough success to earn basically a a a, a, a pay raise. I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that. I I disagree. I don't think that Georgetown is an upgrade from the standpoint of national marquee 
2023. They don't have the same cachet that they, they used haven't to have. been recently, but I think they very quickly could return to that. Yeah, they could. They could return, but I mean, we, we could also return. You know what I mean? Like this Fair. is a like imagine imagine if we see the improvement that we saw last season. We see half of that improvement going into this next season. Half of the improvement that we saw from last year this year, we see that for on building on this year. You get what I'm saying? Like I do. You know, at that point in time, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Like, feeling like 83 is one thing, but, like, it's a whole nother to, like, look up and be like, wait a minute, are we, like, a perennial tournament team now? Like, is this who we are? Are we making a run here? So, you know. So, but, all right, we're going to get into our superlatives here. So, our our first one is best moment. The moment that we will take forward from this season. This the, The moment where we had the most fun, maybe it was a turning point, Maybe it was, I don't know, just the most fun you might have had watching, the most fun you had on Twitter, the game you talked about the most to your friends, yada, yada, yada. My moment was when we beat the absolute breaks off of Duke in the beginning of January at home in Raleigh. I felt that that one was not just a big win over, you know, crosstown rival, but it was a win that really built the momentum for this team moving forward because Mm -hmm. we ended up having the best January We've had since what? I think it was 1988 or something like that. We went six and one in the month of January. Outstanding. That was, you know, in addition to the team going back to the tournament and winning games, not just at home, but on the road, we got ice cream six different times this season. The -hmm. month of January was the most fun I've had watching NC State basketball in quite some time, quite some time, not just. Not just going to the Sweet 16 back in, I think it was, what, 2015 where he knocked off Villanova, but the consecutive games where you're like, are we are we good? Are we are we good? Is NC State good? Yeah. You did that for a whole month. I couldn't tell you the last time you could do that for that long without, you know, NC State. I'm not turning over any new Leafs here, but we have a reputation of having something good happen to us and then immediately having something bad happen to us. Absolutely. And essentially the whole month of January outside of our trip to Chapel Hill, that didn't happen because we were winning all of our games. So Duke, the Duke game was the very beginning of that. And I, I talked about it a lot throughout the whole season and that, that the Duke performance was so good, but I felt it was repeatable. There were a couple of times where it became repeatable, not often as you would like, but the, the Duke game, that was like, I think that was the absolute ceiling for this team where every, where we showed that when everything was on, we could take out anyone and not just do that. We could make it ugly. We mm-hmm. could make it ugly for a, a national team in Duke, a nationally known brand in Duke. Right. It didn't matter who we were playing when everything's clicking, when we're sharing the basketball rebounding, playing team defense, we could run up on anybody. And it happened to be Duke in that instance. So for me, that was my best moment of the season. Well, my best moment of the season, you know, it has to be. You talk about starting a run, but I'll, I'll talk about putting a stop to something that was going in a bad direction for us. When we play the boys in baby blue at home, people don't really realize what was at stake with that game. Okay. We were coming into that game, losing two of three, had not lost two games back to back all season. But that was that UNC team was desperate for a win. They needed that win. And everybody talked about if they beat NC State, that's a quad one. 
That's a quad one. If they be this state, they, they got a quad one. We could put they could possibly be in the tournament, and we know what that means, right? We if they could possibly be in the tournament, if they get this quad one means if they win this, we will find a way to get them into the tournament. That's what that meant. And so what did we do? We found a way. We found a way. We got a win. We beat the boys in baby blue, and boy, there was some crying. There was some ugliness. There was some this team hates each other afterwards, and it was like, did we just send this team to the NIT? And did we do that? <laughs> oh, this is so fun. This is fun. This is great. This is great. I love this. Love this for us. Absolutely love this. Well, Grayson, let me flip it on you. Best moment from the women's season. Talk to me. Best moment from the women's season. Uh, you know, maybe cliche, but I think it's got to be the home win against Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. And not just beating a big name in Notre Dame, but really needing the win when that one came. Yeah. And so that was, again, that was another game where you saw the full potential of the team when everything was working. And Diamond basically carried for a lot of that game, knocking down shots left and right. But as as up and down as the season was for the women and the adversity they went went through, when, you know, it's a it's a good thing to get as frustrated as we did with the season because of how great things have been. And Mm -hmm. for us to get a seven seed in the NCAA tournament and look at that essentially as a down year, that's a good problem to have. But knocking off Notre Dame at home came in a very crucial part of the year where we had dropped some games that we had no business dropping. And we desperately needed that game to stay in the ACC race didn't end up making a huge difference, unfortunately. But when we got that win, we were like, okay, we're back. Well, at least back in control of our own destiny, not back, but back in control of our own destiny. We needed this game. We showed up and we got this game. Now let's keep it rolling. And we saw it. And that was a very, very good win for the ladies. We have a history of knocking off a a team of higher status the last couple of years, whether it's been South Carolina. uh, I think we've, we've, beat Notre Dame a couple times in Reynolds, mm-hmm. but, but we've always a great been, win. A much always been ahead win of, we got it. Yeah, but we've always been ahead of Notre Dame these past few years. Yeah. Like, Notre Dame's been good, but we've always been ahead of them. Well, I don't know if y'all know this, um, but, you know, uh, I, I never – I was never a guy who, like, bought into rivalries from a point of, like, I hate this team um, because I was always like, hey, every game – the, the difference between like beating this guy or not is the difference between me going to the league or not. This me winning this is us winning this game or not. Now those two things were important to me for two reasons. Number one, I have never lost a game that I cared about in my life where I didn't cry afterwards. Fun fact about me. That's why I don't coach because I'm a little too passionate for that. And I can't, <laughs> I can't shut out my like wife and kid like, Oh my God, like I don't want to talk to y'all right now. I lost. Second thing is, um, um, I saw everybody as like, you're standing in between me and millions of dollars. Like I am going to get that money. Uh, however, however, I have grown a particular disfondness, dislike, disdain, um, just uh, downright abhor the uh, boys and girls in baby blue. So for me, a nine point comeback in four last four and a half minutes of a game to force overtime and then to whoop the wheels off that team in overtime. Ladies and gentlemen, that comeback against uh, the girls in baby blue, that was the moment for me. That was it. I mean, 
two days after Valentine's Day, boy, was I in love watching that game because seeing the hearts break, seeing Courtney Banghart have to live with her small gym comments once again. It's it's amazing how tuned in I get whenever we have to play Courtney Banghart. I mean, when we're playing UNC, obviously, no brainer, I'm going to sit down and watch. But there's like this extra edge after she opened her mouth. Yeah. And just for no reason other than just to be petty. Completely unprovoked. To watch how that has backfired on her. Time after time after time because she has never won in Reynolds is small gym. So funny, small gym. It's so funny. I've seen a couple pictures. Uh, they've made those T-shirts that say "small gym" on them, and I've seen people approach her in public, and and she she goes, "Small gym, big eat that, yeah, eat that W over there." I see you. big Ws, <laughs> big Jameis Winston flow, big Ws. That's right. That's what we got going on. In this space, in this building. Now, this is the only bad thing we're going to talk about. The season lows. Talk to me. What what was your lowest point of the season for the men's team? So I think we probably have the same answer here. But it's getting dismantled not one, not two, but three times uh, at the hands of the Clemson Tigers. The first game we played them was on the road in Clemson. That was still kind of the moment where we're figuring out what kind of team we wanted to be. And they took it to us. And it's one thing, again, you're playing an ACC game on the road. We didn't know what Clemson was at that point of the year either. They turned out to be leading the the conference for the majority of the year before they kind of fell apart a little bit. But, okay, fine. You go on the road. They beat you. Whatever. To... Welcome them into Raleigh then for our senior day. And we have momentum from the last couple of games that we had won. And for Clemson to just absolutely lay it on us. And they beat us, I think it was by 25 points in Raleigh on senior day. Wow. That was, it was ugly. Uh, nothing worked. We have just lost Kenton. I hope he can rejoin here but I'm going to keep this rolling to, to have Clemson come in and just absolutely blow up our senior day, which is a shame too. Cause we, we had our senior day in football blown up as well, but to have Clemson come in while they're on a slide and to just absolutely lay the lumber Kenton's back now lay the lumber yeah. on us. That was a tough look, especially rounding out the end of the regular season Needed to have that win to feel comfortable to get into the tournament. Clemson comes in and blows us out. Okay, fine. Now we have to win a game or two in the ACC to feel comfortable again. Okay, go to the ACC. We whoop up on Virginia Tech. Guess who we got to play again? Clemson. Now, surely they're not going to beat us three times because it's hard to beat somebody three times. I got news for you. They blew us out again. And here. So- Here's the thing that blows me the most about this Clemson, these Clemson blowouts. Our three, these weren't just three like, oh no, we lost three games. Our three biggest margins of defeat this season. And by the way, for those of you wondering, we played Kansas this year, who went on, I believe Kansas was a one seed or were they a two seed? They were a one seed. They just got snuffed out though. Okay. They were a one seed. We lost to Kansas by six points. Our three biggest losses of the season are as follows. Clemson by 14 points. Clemson 
by 25 points, Clemson by 26 points. Those are our three biggest losses of the season. We only have one other double-digit loss all year. Boy, I just realized my lips look like I've been kissing flower. But anyway, this we only had one other double-digit loss this season, and that was um, against Virginia at Virginia, which, hey, masterfully played. They played an excellent game. Um, not really much else you can do about that. They were doubling DJ. Nobody else showed up. Sure. Other than that, I'm sorry, we lost to Virginia by double digits and the boys in baby blue in uh, where their team shot. What was it? Well, how many free throws was it, Tars? It was something crazy. It was like 36. To, they shot, I don't even know. It was like 30 something. Yeah, like it was 12. like, yeah, 36 to 12. Yep, because it was three times a minute. So, like, this was the only time. And again, y'all know me. I'm not the type of guy to blame the rest of everything. The refs did not beat us in Clemson. Clemson came in and whooped the wheels off us not once, not two, but three times. I mean, they say it's hard beating somebody twice, like you said, Grayson. But beating somebody three times, that's what that's different. Blowing somebody out three times. <sighs> nasty, nasty work. I don't what? I don't want to speak this into existence, but I do think Brad Brownell, he has Kevin Keats' number a bit, not just on the phone, but on the court as well. I think he has his number because every time we play Clemson in basketball, they always look like they have us figured out. And we've snuck out a couple wins wins against them in Keats's tenure, but Clemson's dominated us with Keats in town. They really have. You know, so, I, it's it's a it's a tough situation, but I will chalk that up to us not having the Larrys and the Joes in the stable, and hopefully we can you know get some better things rolling next year. For the women's team, what was your low point of the season? Women's point, low point, or women's team, low point. I think for me, it was that loss at Virginia. Mm-hmm. And that was late in the year, I believe. It was in February. Mm-hmm. And that one was super frustrating, at least for, in my opinion, because we're we're on a bit of a slide in the ACC. You get Virginia on the schedule. They were at the absolute bottom of the conference when we had to play them. It was a mm-hmm. point where we very, very badly needed a win. And we had already played them early in the season and smoked them by 25. I think it was by 25. Yeah. And so we're like, okay, this feels like a perfect opportunity for a get-right game. It's coming at a good time. We're, we're scuffling right now. We need a win. We should be able to handle our business. We go, we go to up to Charlottesville and just get absolutely embarrassed. And yeah. that was kind of the first point of the year. Where, you know, I have a lot of faith in Westmore to figure things out despite how things are going. That loss at UVA, I was like, okay, I believe this is starting to look like a lost cause. Not a lost cause, but you you get that was the feeling you started to get. So that was my low point for the women's team. You know, my low point was uh the loss that came against Boston College. And let me tell you why. It wasn't just because we lost to Boston College or like, oh, they're not a good team or whatever the case may be. It was the fact that Dontavia Wagner was Dontavia Wagner was not only just like the player for that game, but like we got like she put up numbers that we had not seen from her, not just while she was at state. Her, I believe that was her career high that she put up against us. And it was just like, okay, this is, uh, you know, this is not not ideal. And again, this is a former NC State player that, you know, you look at her and you say, could we have used her this year? 
obviously, yes. That's that's a resounding yes. You know what I mean? Like, and it's one of those situations where you look at her as a player and you say, you know, she it's I came from a high school that was a football powerhouse in the Midwest, and we have plenty of players transfer out and go be stars elsewhere. We never have one of those stars come back and beat us. And that to me is like, that's got to hurt a little bit more to watch somebody that y'all deemed is not good enough to play come in and say, not only am I good enough to play, I'm good enough to beat y'all virtually single-handedly. Yeesh. That's uh You talk about getting your lift back. Especially with what we were seeing. And that was at the point in time where I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. These NC State transfers are going nuts. Genesis Bryant, I believe, just won like Big Ten newcomer, Big Ten player of the week, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, she's this year for Illinois. And then Dontavia Wagner came back and it was like, oh, my God, like what is happening right now? And so that's that's my moment there. Again, you know, these, these things are kind of unavoidable. Very, very tough moments. But we live with it. And like I said, I'm betting on uh, NC State to have a better season but NC State women's basketball to have a better season next year. And I do hope our, all our transfers have success, just not against us. To go have success elsewhere. Average 30 a game against everybody else. Come back and give us five. Please. Please and thank you. Uh, but speaking of betting, one thing that you can bet on is the tournament right now. It's heating up. It's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because now new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. Folks, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So it's a win-win if you ask me. You either win your first bet or you get up to $1,000 back. Come on with it now. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a bigger chance for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss out on your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 at FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So, Grayson, let's get into our – let's continue our list of superlatives. Let's get back into the fun stuff. Most exciting player. Who was the most exciting on the men's side for you? I think there's two right answers, and we're probably going to split it right in half here. Mm-hmm. For me personally, it's Jarkel Joyner. And salute to Jarkel for his one season here in Raleigh. He's going to be sorely missed because he's going to be hard to replace. Absolutely. Um, but he carried this team, in my opinion, this season. There were, you know, he had some up and downs as well, but for the better part of this year, he carried this team. And mm-hmm. unfortunately, it's because of how mercurial uh, Terquavion Smith was. Right. But I, I heard a lot about this from Keats and, you know, just snippets in the media in how much it meant to Terquavion to have a, a big brother figure in Jarkel this season. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I think he's the oldest player on the team. He's, this is the only year of eligibility he has left coming from Old Miss. And he played like it. He played like he doesn't want to be done with college basketball. Yeah. I I don't know how how much opportunity he got at Old Miss, but I don't know if he got, you know, the keys to the kingdom essentially as he did this year, but he showed up and he showed out. And Absolutely. I will remember that stretch in February where he put, I think it was like 26 on I want to say 26 on Boston College, triple-double at Syracuse. He put 29 on UNC, 29 on Wake. Absolutely crazy for like two weeks and carried us. Those were huge games 
that we needed to have. And he was going out and getting it done. And again, to have your best player, Jaquavion, struggle for the better part of February, to be able to rely on Jark Hell to go out and get the job done, unbelievable effort. So he was my most exciting player this year and probably the player I'm going to miss the most heading into next season. You know, DJ Burns, you know, I'm a big guy. Like the big guys. Got to give D- DJ Burns some love. The the round mound of Raleigh rebounds made it. <laughs> he, he, I'm telling you, we joked about it all year. He don't need a right hand because he's doing it with the left. He's doing it with the left, and that's all that matters. He kept doing it. And with that being said, um, it's, it's a, it's a, it was such a great time to watch him. I mean, on the court, off the court, he's just primetime TV. He's got one of those personalities that's just like, you know, wherever that young man goes in life, he's going, it's infectious. He's going to be, uh, he's, he's going to be loved by everybody wherever he's at. I mean, even the tweets before the game, right? One of, one of the most likable players we've had in a long time for this team. Just I, I don't. I'll I've take it beyond that. I'll take it beyond that. One of the most likable players in college sports in general in yeah, the last. I don't. Very seriously, I, I can't think of, a, of of five more likable guys. Really, two or three more likable guys in all of college sports in the last five years or so. I, I can't. It's a bit of a shame how quick we got bounced from the tournament because I do wish that more of the country could have seen DJ's personality and his yeah. playmaking ability because he kind of had the clamps on him against Creighton. But I've I've never seen a player outside of maybe Tommy White last year for baseball. I've mm-hmm. never seen a player just become instantaneously beloved by nearly the entire fan base as quick as he was this year. And and so. the thing and the the thing about the thing about Tommy White is like he was legitimately breaking a record. Like you yeah. gotta love him. Like even if he was like the worst human being, even if he like kicked crossing guards and was like, "Hey, I hate puppies." It's like, I mean, he's breaking a home run record. What are you gonna do? Right? Like, he hates puppies. Dogs are kind of annoying. They pee everywhere. Like you know, it, that's that's what you you do there. But DJ, I mean, he's just he's just so likable, man. Like even if he wasn't the guy that he is on the court. You still love him. Um, on the women's team, who's your most exciting player? This one was a pretty easy one for me. That's Diamond Johnson. And mm-hmm. I, I think I could argue also that she was the most important um, because you saw you know, the games that she wasn't in there, especially here at the end of the season. Things have kind of just fallen apart without her. So she's the facilitator. She's the playmaker. She's been basically a lot of the team for the better part of the season. So she was most exciting. Uh, her performance against Notre Dame, the game I just mentioned, outstanding she really put the team on her shoulders so i'm getting this w so i hope y'all are coming with me um you know, you know I, it, I, I oh go ahead go ahead yeah i mean just wrapping up on diamond it's just it, it's it's very hard to see her go down here at the end of the season not being able to contribute with her injury so we do hope that she gets well very soon we're going to need her next season but most of the season she was my most exciting player and you know i i I was going to go with a different answer, but the more I think about it, the harder it's like when Diamond was rolling at her, at her full clip, like how do you not, right? And the crazy part is she does so many things so well that you don't even think about until you watch the game. And even if you just look at the box scores, for her to be 5'3 and be one – I'm sorry, 5 – how tall is she? Five, I think she four. is 5'3", 5'3", 5'4". Okay, 
for her to be uh, vertically challenged, shall we say, and be one of the leaders on the team in terms of rebounding is insane. That is legitimately insane. And yet every game averaging four rebounds a game at, you know, a, a listed height of five, five, like that's what a baller, what a baller, what a player, you know, you just, you don't see that every day. It's, she's just exciting. And I'm, I'm excited to have her back next year. Now we have the team wildcard award. Okay. And the wildcard award goes to the player that made you say, no, no, no. What are you doing? Oh yes. It went in. Oh yeah. Look at that dime the most. Who would that go to? And just based on that description alone, I think you could very easily guess who we're about to say. Uh, for the men's team, it's Terquavion Smith. And mm-hmm. I, I talked a little bit about how mercurial he was for most of the season. But when he had it, he had it. Just like in the tournament game against Creighton. When he shows up, he's going to give you those high-power performances where 32 points, 28, I believe it was against Florida State. He When he's on and everything's hitting – He's the best player on the floor on both mm-hmm. sides. He is. It's just mm-hmm. the the wild card part of him is that sometimes when he's struggling, he will continue to shoot from almost half court and clank, and then you're running four on five down the other end. And it's it's the perfect award for Traquavion. As exciting as he is, he can be equally frustrating sometimes, but that's what makes him him. And so. and that's and that's why I say he needs to if again like I said Peyton Wilson coming back was doing Raleigh a solid brother go make your money you don't have nothing else to prove here to Quavian I think he does have a lot to prove he has a lot left to prove in terms of prove that you can consistently be that guy because the reality is the NBA or not even the NBA let me let me take it a level lower the G League is filled littered you cannot throw a rock in a G League huddle without hitting a player. That if they get hot, they can give you 30. They can give you 35. But it's not about that. It's about can you do it consistently, number one. And number two, how do you positively affect the game when you're shot and falling? When you think about all the other players who are in his mold that have success in the NBA, they can do other stuff when their shot's not falling. You think about Tyrese Maxey. He's a hell of a playmaker. When, when that shot ain't falling, it's all right. You don't have to run your offense strictly through James Harden because you got Tyrese Maxey. Bones Highland, same deal. When Jamal Murray is having one of those nights where it's tough, he just can't figure it out. Oh, it's okay. We got this Bones kid. He can run the offense for a little while. I don't think that Quavin has that. I don't think that he's at that level in terms of playmaking. In terms of defending, I don't think that he's exactly there. I don't think there's any part of his game that is – like, hey, if your shot's not falling, I can trust you to contribute at an NBA level, at a high NBA level with this. You know, and that's just me. But he is the wild card of that team. There's no no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There are so many times, like uh, when when he and uh, when he and Jarkel got in that shouting match and then he comes out and jacks up that three, I'm like, oh, my God, no. Oh, it went in, Yes. Good job. Good job, Traquavion. Way to go, man. Way to go. That's, that's what I like to see. Uh, so he has to be the wild card of the men's team. Women's team, who's your wild card? Zia James. And I think this this award for her is also like a uh, 
most projectable award moving forward because mm-hmm. I talked about it a couple different times in a couple different episodes. The playmaking ability that she has is spectacular for just a freshman coming in. And the the other side of that is a lot of times she would get out of control, very ugly turnovers, just kind of some freshman boneheaded mistakes. Just and so for note. me, I think just, she's an easy call for the wild card there. Just a quick note. This is her second year. So she, I believe she is like, she does have oh. a COVID year. So I do believe that she's, because if this is her second year, then yeah, because they kind of, what, 2020 or 2021 was the COVID year. Which one was the year that they gave for COVID? Was it? She may not have a COVID year now that I think about it. She may not. Hmm. Okay. Well, here's Either another way. point for you. Even if she is a sophomore, she was making freshman mistakes. That's this, how kind of wild she was. And that, and I was before. just about to say, this is the first time that she was trusted at a high level to kind of run the offense, run the team, do all the things. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect um, example. Along those so, lines, so I think she's she's the easy answer for me for Team Wildcard because you saw the UNC overtime game. She took over. Yeah. You, you thought she was going to take over the end of this Princeton game the other night, but you know, with her battling injury, she just wasn't able to be as effective. But right. Again, she's the player for the women's team. When she's on, she can make it happen. When she's mm-hmm. off, it's ugly. You might want to pull her it's, off the court. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. The next award that we have to give out, we're almost done, folks. I know y'all are thinking, how many are there left? We got two left. Mister- we're gonna talk our basketball now because we're not gonna be able to talk about it for a while. Exactly, exactly. Mister and Mrs. Reliable, who are they for you? We struggled a bit off air to come up with one for the men's team, but I think the I think the overall answer here for Mr. Reliable is Casey Morsell. And I say that because there were some times where you felt like he wasn't being involved enough in the offense. But mm. what some people don't really pay attention to is he's still making a huge difference on the defensive end. And while he might not get more than six, seven shots a game when you feel like he should probably take like 12, He's he's the the ball pressure he has is the best we have on the team. Yeah. And that gets overlooked a lot. So I think it's it's almost a combination of like a reliable but un, unsung hero as well. But reliable in a sense that he he shot his career best from 3. Mm-hmm. And his his defensive presence was just something you couldn't replicate from anyone else on the team. And so that is why for me he was Mr. Reliable. Absolutely. I, I've got him as my Mr. Reliable as well. But I, when I think about Mr. Reliable, I think about this. It's not about who's the best player. It's about who we can trust to be who they are. Right? Regardless of good, bad, and different, I can just trust you to be the same guy, to be steady Eddie. I can trust him. I can trust him to be him all day and night. All day and night. Like, that's that's just, that's what that is. I can trust him all day and night to be who he is, to sit in that corner, to knock down that three, to hit it, hit those fast break threes, to play good. De- I can trust you to do that. Now, would I want you to be the guy running the fast break with the ball in your hand? Maybe not. Maybe not. Would I trust you to be a guy playing off the block? Maybe not. But do I trust you to do what you do at a high level? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll get into our last superlative before we land this thing. All righty. And our final one is the, the Spirit of the Wolf Award. 
the spirit of the wolf award. And what that means is a player whose, whose characteristics, whose style of play, who everything that they do exemplifies what it means to be a member of the pack. This was another award where it was very obvious to both of us who the player was on both teams. So I'm going to let you start it off. You say very obvious. I've actually since then switched my answer. So this is going to surprise you. Oh, My Spirit of the Wolf Award for the men's team is Dushan Mahorchich. And really? it's tough to give him that because we only saw him for a very short part of the year. Mm-hmm. But what won him the award for me was despite being out for the remainder of the year on the bench, I was able to see him jumping up and down, waving a towel, getting in the huddle, maybe quicker than anyone else on the bench. And he's got a knee brace on. I always saw him involved. I always saw him uplifting everyone else on the team. You saw when Greg Gant went down uh, in the ACC tournament, who stuck with him the entire time he went back in the locker room, Mahorchic. So I think for me, he wins that award uh, in my eyes. He was, again, a shame we we missed out on a lot of uh, the the difference he could have made on the court. But I think he was making a tremendous difference off the court. And so that's why he's the winner for me. Okay. Well, my, my guy would be the guy that you mentioned going down that he helped off the court. It would be Greg Gant. And then Greg Gant was a guy that, I mean, you know, in today's world, when you see things like uh, when Jack Clark came back and he had that hot shooting streak and he started like sucking up all the Greg Gant's minutes, it was just like Greg Gant never pouted. He never, you know, was on the, on the bench throwing a hissy fit. He was the same guy every time. He was the same guy. When he was on that court, he was going to rebound and defend at a high level. He was going to run the floor at a high level every time. I love that. That right there, that's what you love to see. That's what you love to see. On the women's side, do you have another surprise for me? Or are we, are I we going? I think we still have the same answer here. That's okay, Madison excellent. Hayes. At Madison um, Hayes is who are we? Who she are we? was basically the energizer bunny for this women's team. I think she played the most aggressive defense she hit some very big shots at some kind of random points in the year. And mm-hmm. every time that she did, it provided such a jolt to the team when, and in, a, in a spot where they really needed it. And I thought her energy that she brought to the, the team this year was outstanding. Uh, and so for her, she wins that one. I have never, and I, I am very serious about this. I am not being hyperbolic at all. I have never seen a woman's basketball player wear a mouthpiece until Madison Hayes. Yeah. She is insane. And she mean mugs with it too. She is insane. And she going to talk her talk with the mouthpiece. I am telling you right now, football players don't even wear mouthpieces. Like we, we don't because there's like a helmet there and we're like, oh, whatever. Like if you get to my face beyond the helmet, you won. You did it. You did the thing. Sure. But like she legitimately is diving for loose balls. She wants to defend. She wants the other team's best player and all that good stuff. I mean, boy, she's just, she's, as the kids say, built different. And 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 I love her for it. I hope she never changes that because that is the type of stuff. That, to me, is one of those core things that I can build upon that. I can I can build upon a lack of skill and that more so than I can build on a, a plethora of skill and a lack of that. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you want 12 players who lack skill and are like that. But I'm saying if you have one player who is in that vein, 
you can then point to that on film and say, okay, she's diving on the floor for loose balls. Why are you not doing it? Okay, she's taking charges against players that are much bigger than her. Why are you not doing it? Somebody explain that to me. You know, so that's that's the spirit of the Wolf Award. Folks, we appreciate you so very much, Wolfpack Nation. Y'all make this show what it is, and I know that it's sad to see basketball season over so quickly. But don't worry. You'll see me and Grayson's beautiful face. Again, my slightly more beautiful face. But Grayson has a wonderful, luscious head of hair to distract you all. And this <laughs> He wins that round. But we'll be here. We'll be talking baseball and wrestling and all the things going forth uh, on every episode of Locked on Wolfpack. Peace and love, y'all. And as always, go Pack. Go Pack. You are Locked on NC State. Your daily podcast on the NC State Wolfpack. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. 